0: special guest is an actor, television producer, and television writer. Before he appeared on Little House on the Prairie, he had appeared on several movies and television shows, such as Mel Brooks' Blazing Saddles, Shazam, Starsky and Hutch, and many other unforgettable classics. After Little House, he continued acting, but also ventured into producing and writing. Please welcome to the show, Patrick Laberteau. And I didn't ask you, is that the correct pronunciation of your last
1: name? That's the really good pronunciation. Yeah. If you ever want to know how to pronounce it, don't look at it. It's too complicated. And especially because early on, and I think it was on Little House, uh, the agent had taken out a letter. There's a Y in the middle of the name, which is the way you should spell it. And I think on Little House, it didn't have the Y. (laughs) So not only is that confusing, it's like taking a Z out of Schwarzenegger. It's like, does it really help? <laughs> I just <laughs> but yeah, wanna, lab, lab or toe, three syllables. Really I easy. see
0: your last name, and I think I want French wine. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking.
1: Yeah. It reminds me of a
0: Bordeaux <laughs> or something like that. Um, so oh, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I, I I approached you on Twitter, and I think I caught you within hours of joining.
1: And um, Yeah, I think <laughs> you're right. It was really, I just I just signed back up. And, uh, it was like four days ago. Like, <laughs> was it that long? Yeah, I guess it is. Twitter time feels, feels a lot longer. <laughs> I'm
0: sure. Um, as I see the people following you growing and growing and growing, and um, you've been posting a lot of really impressive stuff, um, just classic nice. photographs that we don't normally see as fans, you know. Um, so I
1: well, guess it's like the type of thing that I would like to see, and, and you know, and I, and I kind of find, to be honest with you, I find these things on the internet because a lot of them. Um, we, I don't really have. So I, I go online and I find something that I think is kind of cool. I'll keep it, I'll screenshot it just because I don't have it. Mm.
0: No, when you see photographs um, like that of, of when you were probably like 15 years old, 16 years old, are, do you have a memory of some of these photographs? Like, does it bring you right back to that moment?
1: Absolutely. You know, with uh, like with anybody, if you see a picture of you from a, a certain holiday or an event, remember where you were at. The ones that I really find interesting, very interesting are when people who've taken photographs with me in the seventies have posted them somewhere Mm -hmm. and I'll see a picture of myself with like a family. Those are really interesting because those I really sadly don't have memories of because they happen so quickly. And it's weird to see you with a whole other group of people that You know, you knew you you know you met. It's right there. There's the proof right there. Right, right. Uh, But um, I'm not sure where it is or what time it is or or what it is. And those are kind of fun, actually, because it's sort of like filling in places of my life that I had no idea I had done.
0: Well, you probably go to these type of award shows, especially when you're younger and you're getting pulled like, "Hey, come over here, quick, quick, quick,
1: quick, quick, photograph." And yeah, well, I'm. And just in general life too. There's a lot of you know back in the day that you had to have a camera. Um, so now it's a lot easier. But there were there were lots of times when, you know, my family and I would be out and people would recognize my brother and I and they would take a picture with us like as a Polaroid or, you know, a little Kodak camera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now they're real pictures and they've posted them online. Those are the, like the ones I'm thinking of, because nowadays it's real easy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just, you know, everyone's got a camera with them. Um, so going back to way back into the 70s now, um,
0: do you recall auditioning for um Andy? Like, or did you work on any
1: other roles like, you know, any other roles for Little House? Yeah, for Little House. No. In fact, my brother had played young Charles Mm -hmm. uh, the previous year. He had done two episodes where he played um, the younger version of Charles. And then I I just answered this question on Twitter today. It's it's amazing. Uh, It was the most amazing audition experience I've ever had and probably will never be topped ever again. Um, I had just watched an episode of Little House that had been on, I think it was a repeat, of the race. Mm -hmm. And that was like on a Monday. And then I got a call from my agent, um, or my mom got a call from my my (laughs) answer on the phone at that age. He can't talk Um, now. Right, exactly. (laughs) I I had my people. Um, To go down to Paramount, audition for Susie, Susie Sickman for Little House on the Prairie. And I don't think I'd ever auditioned for little house on the prairie before, but we went down to paramount. I auditioned, which, you know, basically just meant I read a scene or two and they said, hold on. And so I said, okay, we waited and they go, we'd like to take you out to the set and have you audition for Michael. Hmm. And paramount was located in Hollywood. That's where we had, where we had auditioned. And then they drove us out to Simi Valley, which is about an hour and a half from paramount. Mm-hmm. And they drove us to the set. And so I had gotten the phone call the night before Wednesday. I'd seen the episode on Monday. You know, i I'd, I'd been watching Little House. Little House was with one of the only shows on TV that had kids on it. And of course, it was Little House. You and know, your brother was before. already involved at this point. Yeah, and my brother had already been on the show. and We watched the show even mm-hmm. before that. It was just I like see. a show to watch. And so I go to the audition on on Thursday morning. I am taken out to the set Thursday afternoon. I realized that I'm going to read with Michael Landon. Right. So this already is like the, the most amazing thing i would ever, it, it, like, I can't believe it. They bring us to the set where Simi Valley is just this big, dusty bunch of mountains. And I had no idea where I was until they they walked us over the hill. And when you walk over the hill, you're in Walnut Grove. It's all built out. It's all, it's like a real place. Mm-hmm. And I was freaking out. So the big tree in the middle of Walnut Grove outside of Olson's Mercantile is where uh, I auditioned with Michael.
0: Just like right there. He's like, let me see yeah. what you got, kid.
1: <laughs> yeah. We, he was sitting there and they brought one kid over to him at a time. The rest of the kids waited over at the, uh, the, the, the mill where they did all the, the sawing of the wood and stuff.
0: Right. Like a legitimate song, by the way. Like if you watch it. There's a real saw going on.
1: I, I don't know how oh, yeah. they did it. I mean, it's crazy. Well, they had a, they had a generator there to power up a real <laughs> a real wood saw. It wasn't powered by the the. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> it wasn't powered by the water wheel because the water wheel was powered by water that was being dumped over the hill <laughs> from the water truck. Um, it's like a craftsman under there or something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so we audition. There's I I don't remember how many kids there were. I'm going to say about five. Right and. We were all standing around and Michael gathered everyone and he put his hand on my shoulder and he gathered everybody around and he goes, hey, I wanted to thank everybody. Everyone did a great job and we'll let you all know. And so we all start to go away. And as I start to walk away, Michael kind of squeezes my shoulder and he says, you stay here. And so the other actors walked away. He goes, you got the part. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. I was so excited. My mom was excited. (laughs) Is he like, shut up, kids. You can't let them know. (laughs) 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 no he had waited long enough until they were gone away he was right 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 i'm sure and so this was thursday afternoon that's that's so exciting though i mean for that i mean that's crazy it was amazing i mean uh, there's never i've never had an experience where i get a call and i have the job the day the the day after Mm -hmm. you know i got the call the night before i had the first audition the morning of and then i'm getting the job that night (laughs) And then they put me in wardrobe that night. They had me check for wardrobe, and I started work on Friday. And I was working with Melissa at seven thirty the next morning. You're in the show now. It's crazy. I mean, that must be so surreal. And so we're doing the episode, and I'm in the show, and it's the first day. I had just watched Melissa on Monday, and I'm working with her on Friday. And I'm a total fan. I'm like, Mm -hmm. what about this episode? What about that episode? And and where do you do this? And And she was so cool. She was like answering everything like it was the first time she'd ever been asked. She was really friendly, really funny, very inviting. And we did this episode about uh, these wolves that Mm -hmm. we found. And they had like these little German shepherds that they painted black. Oh, my God. (laughs) Spray paint. And um, That's awesome. So after... After a couple of hours under the hot lights, these dogs started to smell like spray paint. So I remember that smell. And I remember the time with Melissa. And about halfway through the episode, we're shooting a couple of days in. I'm really bummed because it's going to be over. And it was then that I found out that, no, 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 you're going to come back. You're, this isn't just one episode. I thought it was just one episode. No one explained to me that this was a part that was going to be coming back.
0: Well, and part of you is probably so fine it was with a that. Really, right?
1: really exciting time and exciting episode. And yeah. And I, I, it's the best experience I've ever had because I've had other auditions where you'll go in like with Jag, I went in, I auditioned, then they brought me back a couple of days later and I auditioned for the the big producer. And then about a week or so later they called and said, okay, you booked it. It was like, and that was one of the easiest you know, when, when it's right, it's right type of things. But this was incredibly insane. Like on a Monday, I'm watching the episode. And on Friday, I'm working with Half Pint, mm-hmm. like the TV star, Melissa Gilbert. And she's really nice. Right. It was great.
0: And you bring up Jag, you know, it's another um, TV series that you that you kind of pop up. Like if you were to Google your name, I don't know how often you do this. Probably do not do it too often. I will.
1: Oh, you?
0: am I still there? Hello. Hello, hello. Oh, did I lose you? Hello, one, two, three, one, two, three. Hello. You still there, man? Hello? Hello? hello hmm hello 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 i'll try unmuting are you there there i there you go Hey, can you hear me now? I don't know what happened. Yeah, I that was weird. Yeah, I try. I to, I dongled or what? It toggled uh, my mute button, but um, I don't know. That that was weird. I'm sorry I about it was that. Because
1: on my end, my headphones were down, so maybe I don't know what I did. But
0: I don't think you did anything. Oh. But That's I cool. asked you um, about Jag. You bring up Jag, uh, which is another TV series that, if you were to Google your name, which I'm not sure how often you Google your name, but. Um, I, you know, Jag comes up. That's one of the big ones that you're really well known for. That and and you know, yeah. it's like two opposite sides of the spectrum, right? Um, right. But so being a part of Jag for for um, such a, a a longer period, even than Little House in the Prairie, must have been just such a um, a different contrast, I guess, in comparison to working in the '70s on Little House, and then you have this modern late 90s into the 2000s TV series. Um, I, I guess where I'm going is, you know, you're working, you know, you worked in the 70s and you worked in the modern world of Hollywood. Um, what are the major differences, I guess, that you've seen between that? It's a I'd weird question. I probably have
1: to say the size. It felt a lot smaller, more in, more like a small town in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I talked a lot about this with some friends of mine recently when we were kids and we were acting, it was a very, very small amount of uh of actors comparatively mm-hmm. um, we kind of all knew each other um we all kind of knew what each other was up to and what they were doing nowadays it you know anyone can audition from anywhere which is very, you know, great. I mean, it gives a lot of options to a lot of people, but it's just so much bigger now. Mm. When I auditioned for uh, JAG, Paramount's been a really, really important place to me as far as a physical place, because Little House, we shot at Paramount Studios. Um, JAG, I auditioned and shot at Paramount Studios. Later on, when um, my wife and I did a, our own TV show, we shot at Paramount Studios. So that that place has always stayed the same and literally has been the same for, you know, a hundred years, the, you know, the same stage that we shot See Dad Run in, they shot Citizen Kane. So it's like a, mm-hmm. just a crazy history. But I'd, I'd have to say that the amount of how many people that I knew in the 70s versus how many people that I know now, same thing with voiceover. Back in the 90s, I was doing a lot of voiceover and there was maybe about honestly about 30 guys that did it
0: hmm.
1: or at least did what i did and you know we all kind of traded jobs and now with you know what we're what we're using right now you know i've worked with this microphone and this setup you can audition anyone from anywhere you can work anywhere mm-hmm. as opposed to back in the 90s when you know you had to go to a studio and you had to be in town and you had to do the work in person
0: so a little bit of a side now i do want to just mention how you have the perfect voice for, like, audiobooks and uh, <laughs> voiceover work. You know, um, I'm just curious. What microphone are you using?
1: Sennheiser 416 shotgun mic. Okay. It's a classic mic. I'm yeah, still- in fact, it was the type of mic they'd use on Little House or when they shoot. And it's also what's known as an announcer's mic. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use a Neumann, uh, which is a different type of mic for a different warmer read. Mm-hmm. But I have discovered that, you know, I was doing a lot of work... Um, for a a TV network called the WB back when the WB was a thing Hmm. and I was their uh, comedy announcer. And so I got this microphone so I could record from different locations where I was at. And this is back when, you know, I just said that was an old, it's a newfangled thing. You could actually do it back in the day, but you needed so much more equipment that I had a rock and roll, um, (laughs) Um, box, you know, that they take rock and roll gear around in, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like case um, boxes.
0: Yeah, like an um, anvil keys.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I had this thing on rollers, and it weighed about 100 pounds, and I would take it with me <laughs> to locations. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and you know, plug in the mic and then plug into two ISDN lines that I needed to have, and I could record, <laughs> you know, the uh, the promos for the Wayans Brothers. For You're the really dating yourself location. with the ISDN line. <laughs> oh, I know, right?
0: <laughs> um, no, but I mean that's all legitimate, you know. And technology's come so far; you can get a great sound from with very little equipment these days. Um,
1: oh yeah, know? I mean I've I've auditioned and, and worked off of uh, an iPhone and a connector.
0: It's. It's a crazy world we live in. Um, yeah. So you mentioned um, See Dad Run, which is this TV series that you had um, created and written for Nick at Night with your wife.
1: Is that right? Right. Yeah. Tina Albanese Labberto uh, is my wife. We had met on JAG and we created this show called See Dad Run. Mm-hmm. And it was based kind of in people that we knew and kind of my own experience on the show about an actor who was on a television show, a sitcom. He was America's number one dad. And it was on the show uh, on air for 10 years. And then the show ends and he's coming home. And now he's got to be a real dad to his real three kids. But he kind of just relies on what the writers wrote for him from the TV show. He's not really a hands-on dad yet. He's kind of learning how to be a real dad. And this is while his actress wife goes back to work on the soap (laughs) opera that she She'd been in a coma for 10 years while she raised the kids. Mm-hmm. And so they brought her out of the coma. So she goes back to work and then the dad, you know, raises the kids. And so that ran for three years on Nickelodeon or Nick at Night, actually. It was one of their first, yeah. I think it was their first uh, uh, nighttime sitcoms.
0: Um, and what about any other series? Are you working on anything? You must have been bitten by the bug, right?
1: To, we you know, to create Oh gosh, yeah, no. There was, I, in fact, some of I think one of the most enjoyable times work wise was see Dad Run. Um, in fact, when when we got the show picked up, uh, I gave Linwood Boomer a call, who played Adam Kendall sure. on the show, and he had created a show, Malcolm in the Middle, which is a huge success, and sure. he ran that show for years. And so I talked to him about it, and you know I got all the advice I could from him. And it, yeah, it's a great. I recommend get, I recommend running a TV show. It's a very <laughs> very fun. Let me just write that experience. down real quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, run just a TV tip. Show. A hot tip. Yeah, um, but just like with anything, you know, you got to have a lot of luck. And as you know, Tina says, you got to have luck, timing, and geography. A little talent um, helps, I think. Well, thank you, <laughs> and that and, and that's true. But you know, you're competing against people with talent, so it's a matter of Mm. What what needs to be done at that time, and just the luck that for us with Nickelodeon, it, it all kind of fell together at this at the right time. You we also, had a blast on that show.
0: You also mentioned the voiceover work that you got into, um, and you worked on Spider Man: The Animated Series as well as Godzilla: The Series, two pretty big, right. two pretty big animated shows. Um, how was that experience? Like, is that working on a cartoon, for instance? You know, I I have a little bit of a history working on different cartoons, and people love it. People never leave it. Yeah, But you, you know, you, you aren't sticking to just that. It seems.
1: Well, a lot of (laughs) these things I would stick to if I got more work in it. I I think what's, what's, what's wonderful about not, um, how do I say this? What's wonderful about having the outside point of view is it looks like I'm making these choices. Like I've I've had fun in animation. I'm done. No, (laughs) I just didn't get another job after that. Um, with, with Spider-Man, I couldn't have been more, like, excited. I've been a, a comic book collector since I was a little kid. Yeah. Spider-Man was my favorite comic book. And with the way they did it is they auditioned everybody with uh, Spider-Man uh, sides. And so I auditioned as Spider-Man. And then I got the call that I'd gotten a part of Flash Thompson, and I truly was so freaking excited <laughs> because I just I couldn't get over the fact that I was going to be a part of Spider-Man in any in yeah any like way you're now part of the whole universe. You know, it's it's right. Cool. And at the time, it was the whole universe. There really wasn't anything, and the guy that did it, John Sumper, who wrote it, really kind of created a whole new storytelling formula which is now seems so obvious but the stories continued from episode to episode and they had crossovers and there was like a little version of the MCU in there where they did stuff where they would bring in other characters which at the time had never been done before Mm -hmm. and it was so exciting to be a part of it just because I could be a fly on the wall watching all of it and I got to work and meet with uh, Mark Hamill I've got to work with Ed Asner I got to work with all these people that were just you know, idols. And it was just, it was, it was a great time. But, and then and, and with Godzilla, that was a regular, just an audition that I went to and I auditioned for and I got, but it, the the whole idea of getting into animation would be wonderful. But you've got guys like, you know, Jess Harnell and, you know, um, just all these guys that can do 58,000 voices better than you can do two. Yeah. What's their problem? You know, there's, really, <laughs> yeah, there's really no way to compete against, um, against these guys, unless they're looking for a voice that sounds just like you. And so I lucked out with Flash.
0: Um, So back to Little House for just a moment. Um, What does your wife think of Little House in the Prairie? Is this something that uh, she might have grown up watching before she even knew you?
1: Yeah, you know, she told me once, and I I totally have taken it with me ever since, it was... Um, you know, everyone says Little House is a great family show, yet <laughs> there's all like, these horrible things happen on this right, show. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's true. There's not there's not a show where some devastating, horrible... Yeah, it's like a know, windstorm coming and
0: practically killing the blind kids, and there's a right. rape episode, and there's... It, it's, yeah, it's tragedy. Just crazy. <laughs> it's, it's crazy tragedy drama. Yeah. <laughs> Um, did you ever watch um, like when your son was growing up did you ever say hey we're going to watch a little bit of A Little House in a Prairie
1: no and <laughs> I don't it's not that I didn't want him to see it or anything but it just wasn't his type of thing Sure. Um, also he, it was a weird experience because he grew up when I was doing JAG and we would go to Disneyland and people would recognize me and they would take pictures and you know, from his point of view, Hey, we're Disney. At? Why are you fucking my dad? Right. <laughs> um, and so it, it was kind of like, it really wasn't such a big deal in, in, in his eyes that I was a TV actor so much as his dad, mm. which I mean, in, in a way that's really great. Um, but I don't think he ever got into little house. There was, in fact, if, if <laughs> I forget the name of the episode, but, uh, the name of the, the on Sea Dad Run, we did an episode where David, the actor, um, the star of the show, played by Scott Bayo, um, is hiding an audition tape from everyone, and it's his audition tape for a show which was loosely based on Little House on the Prairie. Oh, my, I have to dig it's this up Prairie Days, I think it was called Prairie Days, and he was a child actor. And it's based on an episode of Little House called The High Cost of Being Right, where in the episode on Little House, the Garvey's are getting divorced and they go and they're in front of the judge and everyone's sad and I'm trying and I'm crying. And the whole point of it was I was trying to cry. I didn't really know how to cry But I discovered that if you yawned, your eyes would water up. And so I was doing this thing where I was kind of yawning and kind of holding my mouth closed to try to get some tears, to try to get some emotion out. And I got to say, it's probably some of the worst acting ever. (laughs) And ever since then, I've always looked at that and said, how did I ever get a job? And so we wrote this episode on Sea Dad Run. I, I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, where they had where they find this tape of David's audition tape for Prairie Days. And it was basically David's version or this little kid version of David. Just horrible, horrible acting based on the high <laughs> cost of being right. Making fun of the whole a whole experience because it was just that was just so bad.
0: It adds another little humorous scenario is um, imagine Scott Baio on the cast of Little Us in the Prairie like his little Italian kid in the middle of. Hey, it's Mutarel. you know.
1: Yeah, uh, it was really weird, too, because we shot Little House, like I said, on Paramount. We were, I think, on stage 32, which is at one end of the the lot. And at the other end was a stage 19 where they shot Happy Days. mm. And so we were on the same stage. We were on the same lot at the same time. He was on Happy Days. We were doing Little House. And then when we ended up doing See Dad Run, they gave us stage 19, the place where he shot Happy Days, to shoot the new show. And so that was pretty magical. And he was excited about it. And it was very exciting to have that stage. And it was really cool.
0: Um, so, you probably have created a number of friendships um, when you were growing up in Hollywood with a number of these people, you know, Scappio being one of them, perhaps. Um, what other, um, like, have you done that? Like, are, have you found that you have um, created these lasting relationships with different people that, you know, were celebrities when they were children?
1: I guess it's interesting because the reality was, is that my family was pretty locked down. Um, uh, we really didn't do much outside of what the family did. And then when we were acting, yeah, we made, we made friends. My brother and um, Melora Hardin became really good friends and mm. she was on the, on Little House and then she ended up being Jan on, yeah, on The, the office. office and they're like best friends one of my better, better friends is a guy named Stephen Manley who was on Little House and um, I think he's living in Virginia now. He played Spock in, in the wrath of Khan, the young version, mm. not the wrath of Khan, the search for Spock. Um, but as again, he was a young actor. Um, Todd Bridges was friends with my brother and I, and you know, he, What's interesting is, you know, and Robbie Rist is another friend who also, we became close because uh, he was into voiceover work back in the 90s. And so I saw him all the time. But for me, you know, our different experiences took us to different places. I just didn't really have that many people that kind of Hmm. held over. All the people at Little House, you know, I'm still... I'm, I won't say close with them, not because I'm not close with them, but, you know, we don't really communicate that much. I'm not so much in that circle. Mm. Um, but it's not for any other reason than I've just been busy doing other things. That's all.
0: And I was mentioning before, if you go on your IMDb page, it's such a long resume of different things that you've done. And um, so many things, including, as I mentioned, when we first started speaking, Blazing Saddles, um, which I'm sure <laughs> you were too little to even remember. Maybe. Do you remember even being there?
1: I, 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 that one I do remember because this summer was crazy. I remember this summer again, this was not at Paramount. This was at Warner brothers and it was the summer of 1973. And I had, I did two, two movies at Warner brothers. I did a movie called Mame with Lucille Ball. Mm, And then I did Blazing Saddles with, you know, Mel Brooks and everybody. And the the Blazing Saddles production shot completely for my stuff on the Western Street in at Warner Brothers in the back lot. And again, I was let's see, sixty five to seventy five, so I was like nine years old, mm. eight nine years old. Yes, yeah, so I and guess so you would I remember. Was, yeah, yeah, and it, and it was like on a on a Western Street with horses and. Everyone was dressed up. And when you're on these Western streets in the back lot, they're designed so that you can shoot from one end to the other without seeing anything that's like modern day. So for a kid, you know, who loves to play and who loves to play, you know, imagination, it just felt like I was in the old West. And so I totally remember playing on the set, playing with everybody. And the stuff that we did for the movie that that I was a part of, got all, it all got cut out. But I was there for about a month. And it was a hysterical and I say hysterical, not because I was hysterical, but the idea was hysterical mm-hmm. that the, the three scenes they had for me were before the sheriff shows up. They say, you know, who's going to be the new sheriff? And, and I raise my hand. And again, I'm like eight years old <laughs> I, I want to be sheriff. And they go, well, the kid's brave. He's strong, <laughs> you know, tall for his age. Let him be the sheriff. Right. And then my mom shuts it down. She goes, no, he can't be the sheriff. And then the next scene was, you know, when, when the bad guys come into town, one of the bad guys takes my pet snake because you, know, you all have pet snakes back. in Sure. House. Of course. And he ties it into a knot and I start crying. And then the final scene was when the new sheriff shows up in town and he's doing his big first day walkthrough. He finds all these kids beating up on this little guy and the little guy's me. And he gets, you know, he shoes them all away. He goes, get out of here, get out of here. And he goes, hey, what's going on? And I go, nothing. He goes, nothing. He goes, and I say, yeah, we're just playing. He goes, what kind of game are you playing? I go, we're playing Welcome the New Sheriff. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> it was some really like solid, funny bits. But of course, I mean, you watch that movie. There's It's a, a legendary games. film. It's crazy. It's, yeah, everything is, you know, everything about it is in it. Um, it was just, they, they cut it all out. There's only one bit when he first shows up and, you know, they're welcoming the new sheriff. There's only a little bit there where he, I could point to myself in a frame and go, there I am. Right. But the experience was amazing. And, you know, if for whatever reason, Mel Brooks is listening to this podcast, I <laughs> thank you so much, Mr. Brooks. I just, he was hysterical. Every time I'd finish a shot, he'd run up and down the street, you know, screaming how I was going to be a star. And, Thinking back as a kid, you know, <laughs> when it happened, I thought he really liked what I did. And looking back now, it's a bit, you know, and it's hysterical. Yeah. You know, he's making he's making this hysterical joke, but yeah, it was it was a great experience. And the same with um, the movie Mame with Lucille Ball, I which was tremendous, was very very nice. I mean, I didn't truly understand at all how famous she was. Mm-hmm. I knew she had a TV show. And that it was on at night, and it was black and white. I had no idea that it had been repeating, and that it was not new. So I would come into to the set in the morning and talk to her about these shows that she had done twenty years beforehand, as if they were on just last night. Yeah. And she listened to every single one of them and told me, "Oh, oh dear, I remember that one." <laughs> and she was just really, really sweet.
0: That's awesome, man. Um, and *Mame* being a pretty big budget picture at the time, I think it took two years to film that.
1: I remember it was a big, big set. Again, it was on Warner Brothers. They had multiple stages, mm-hmm. and it was just a really big deal. And I remember I was, Lucy was really, really sweet to me. Uh, Miss Ball, that's what I would call her, of course. But she was really sweet. Um, but everyone seemed to be super afraid of her, and I couldn't figure out why. Now and you now know I why. understand because <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's Lucille Ball. No one, yeah. everyone was oh so in awe. They couldn't figure it out.
0: Yeah, I, I liken her to a type of, um, like a Marx Brothers almost. Like you know that big in my eyes. Anyway, you know, like somebody who like really, really um, is important. I guess. But as a kid, oh, yeah. you know, it goes over your head. You're just hanging out with this nice woman.
1: Yeah, and then and then you look at you know just how. So I worked with Lucille Ball in '73, and then when I met Paramount. The building that I'm in is next to the Lucy bungalow at Paramount because Paramount was Paramount studios. And then RKO pictures was next door to Paramount studios. And Desi Lou, the production company that her and Desi started bought RKO pictures as their production place. And so they shot, uh, I love Lucy there and they shot all of their shows there, including Star Trek and, including, you know, um, what was the other one? Um, The Outer Limits. Mm -hmm. And these are shows that, you know, she produced. And you you look down at the sewer grates on the studios and it says RKO. And it's like, well, you know, she owned this place before (laughs) Paramount bought it. And she ran this place. And, you know, she's got a huge stamp on the entertainment business.
0: Right. I believe she also invested in the beginning of Star Trek.
1: Is that right? Do you know about that? Her company produced it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's crazy. I mean, it, you know, such a forward thinker. And um, yeah, I mean, that's amazing that you would have that type of um, connection with her at such a young age. But, you know, um.
1: well, I like uh, they there's a thing they called they did on JAG uh, where they took stock footage of famous people and cut it into our show. Mm-hmm. So it looked like our, our characters were kind of interacting with the president or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they called it a brush with greatness. You know, we're going to have a brush with greatness with Clinton or, or whatever. And that's kind of how I feel. It's like a brush with greatness, where it's like, in no way am I quote unquote working with Lucille Ball. Right. I'm in a scene as an eight year old. It's like we're not sure. working together. I'm just. It's a brush with greatness. But it definitely is amazing when you when you you look back and you go, Wow, I can't believe I had that opportunity. No,
0: I look at it as you know, you guys shared this serious moment. You know, like a moment in time. And I think that's really important. Maybe it helps shape you who you are and everything. I think that's great. Um. So after Little House, you walk away from Little House. It's over. It's a family show, obviously. Um, Yeah. And and years later, you you would decide to choose roles. And before you you kind of alluded to, well, you know, maybe I wasn't choosing because these are just roles that I went for. But I have to wonder what was on your mind when the role of Ram in Heathers came up. A completely different type of role than Andy, you know. And, you know, you're a jock. You know, and right. And you're going to get murdered. <laughs> you know, it's um. What, what were your thoughts there? Or even in summer school, where you're playing Kevin where it's kind of a similar character in a way.
1: There was a run of characters where I thought that I could have been the same guy where <laughs> I played jocks and then I played policemen and then I played Navy men. And it was just sort of felt like any one of these guys could have had the, you know, the, the life beforehand. Mm. of you know of, of a character he played football in high school now he's a you know now he's a police officer um summer school I had done a tv movie with uh, Mark Harmon called the Prince of Bel-Air and it was with Mark Harmon Kirstie Alley myself and Dean Cameron mm. and so when Mark uh tied himself to summer school he kind of brought all of us on I mean I auditioned for the role but it was mainly Mark just saying hey I'd like to have these people you know work with me on this right and I was it was a great experience. But again, it wasn't really, I'm not really choosing to do anything right, right. like that. It's just sort of like a great opportunity that, you know, I was hoping for.
0: Did you like the fact that it was so different than, I mean, were you ever afraid that you would get stuck as that guy from Little House on the Prairie?
1: Um, not so much the guy from Little House on the Prairie as there's been, I would say three like eras of a career. One is a child actor, one is an adolescent actor, and one is an adult actor. And the idea behind getting stuck as a child actor was really present in my head. And so when I got summer school and these other jobs in my teen years, I was happy because I'd kind of made a transition. And then when I got JAG, I was happy because then I had kind of transitioned into being an adult actor. So it was sort of like I made that Transition because you're basically changing your product. You're you're not the same product as you were mm-hmm. when you start off. You know you you've got you're you're not the same product. You're a, of course you're completely different. You're a child and then you're an adult. You can't have an adult play a child. It's, it, it doesn't work. Um, and so I was really happy that that had happened. The one of you know you asked about Heather's. The thing about Heather's, which was really interesting, was they had sent the script to my brother for. Um, the christian slater part mm. and he had read the script and he asked me to read it because he didn't he didn't think it was that great and i could see what he was why he thought that because on the page it was very difficult to understand how dark a comedy it was it didn't read as a comedy unless you knew it was a comedy mm-hmm. and i happened to read it in the right frame of mind and i fell in love with it and wanted to be in it no matter what i could do and so that was one of the one of the few projects where when I found it, I just all I wanted to do was be in this movie. And I later found out that and this I was watching, I think the, one of the Heather's documentaries on the disc, that Brad Pitt was auditioning for one of the football players and that I had auditioned with him. Oh really? <laughs> but i had no idea i was auditioning with brad pitt yeah, i remember auditioning with a guy wh- whose name was brad right and that we were waiting for this guy brad who was on like what was it called falcons play or knots landing i think it was Knott's landing or falcons crest and he was coming from the set and so then they described brad who was working on one of those shows and that you know they were reading him with some of the other football players and they go oh my god i've read with brad pitt and i had no idea that's hilarious um but yeah, but Heather's was a big one because I loved the comedy, and it ended up being the com- it ended up being the movie that it could have been. It worked out great. And yeah, I, I loved and it. I'm really proud of that movie.
0: Yeah, it was one of those kind of I uh, didn't expect that kind of movie to be made at that period of time, and to I don't know. It it didn't seem like there was even any pushback. It just kind of got released. and
1: Good movie. It was such a low budget movie that no one really paid much attention to it. Mm-hmm. And it really didn't do that well in the theaters. And then it became very popular when, you know, you add video and everything onto it. Yeah. But the whole idea of moving from one product to another is it's one of the things that uh, has started the um, I'm doing this uh, acting school called Working Actors School. And that's one of the reasons why I started it was based on the idea of. Having had the experience of working as a child, a teen actor, an adult actor and and doing voiceovers and kind of hitting all the different areas and then as a producer kind of hiring actors and realizing the secret of you know what it is what what's the secret to hiring actors, uh, it gave me all of these insights that, when I was coming up, I really didn't have from any of the teachers that I worked with. Hmm. And so we started with this working Actors school. It's an online thing. How would somebody find out more? We have classes tonight. Uh, Workingactorsschool.com. Okay. It's very simple. Um, And it basically, it's an online class. It goes through zoom. um, And we have everything from private tutoring to basic intermediate and advanced classes that takes you from, you know, never having to act to never having acted to working on the set with the idea being real information and real insight into what being a working actor is not just, you know, acting, which there are plenty of great classes about theory and just being in a studio and working on characters, but that's not what we're doing. What we're doing is what it's like to work on a set. You know, when you have the sun going down, you've got one, scene left you've only got 15 minutes to shoot you're not going to have the amount of time that you have for you know like a feature film or a um or or a play to get that performance right you know how do you get how do you give the best performance under all those stressful conditions that type of thing
0: how long have you been working on working um acting school
1: this has started probably in the last year Mm. and it's been really successful in as much as being able to delineate the difference for people between the um, theory of acting again, which is you can get lost in it and it's wonderful and you can play around with the characters and then the practical approach of what do you do when you're actually working hmm. and how to get that work.
0: It's, I mean, it sounds really great. And it's also being that it's online, people don't need to be in California, for instance, to, Take the class. And
1: of course that came out because of, you know, COVID and everything, which was, you know, silver lining, I guess, if you really want to be positive about things, which, you know, why Mm -hmm. not? Yeah, The idea of there are so many classes here in Hollywood where you go in and you go to your theater class and you present your scene and everything. We do all the same stuff and you work with partners because you can do it online. Hmm. Um, But again, yeah, like you're saying, it, it can be done from anywhere. And in a way that allows you to, you know, try things out before you get out here. And also, you know, we have workshops and stuff about how to, what to do when you, when you come out and how to get, how to get set up and that's awesome, you know, soup to nuts.
0: Um, if I could just throw in a few more questions, I don't want to steal your whole day. Um, so I, every single cast member of little house, I've asked this question, um, I usually ask, what kind of car did you take to the audition and what kind of car did you take away? You didn't have a car, probably, on your way to the audition. (laughs) (laughs) You had a bike, maybe a Hutch Trickstar or something. I think it was was a station wagon (laughs) and a station wagon. But what was your first car?
1: Uh, My first car was a 1968 Camaro SS. All right. Convertible, yeah. Um, it was a very specific car that I wanted to get, and I found it, and then it was a mechanical nightmare, <laughs> but I loved it.
0: That's, it's a great car, though. It's a beautiful car. Yeah.
1: Thanks. Thank you.
0: Um, do you still have
1: it? No, no. It was it ran a mechanical nightmare. I sold it like a year after I got it because <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work. I did it. I got the car. Now let's move on. Um, <laughs> right, it just doesn't work.
0: Did you have the opportunity to keep anything from the Little House set? I'm not saying did you steal anything. I'm just saying, <laughs> did um...
1: um, I have somewhere in storage, and I used to have it in my office. Um, they used to have they built these uh, dressing rooms on the stage uh, mm-hmm. for Little House, and you know how like you can slide a person's name onto a door, like an office oh, yeah. door. Mm-hmm. So they had the art department make up what would look like an old timey western style writing the actors names and they would slide the names oh that's pretty door. cool and so yeah so i have that it says my name so and you... my brother has a a piece of like a shake tile you know a piece of wood from the little house
0: oh that's pretty cool yeah is he archiving it like is he putting it in, like a shadow box or something
1: no, I think it's just <laughs> to, displayed somewhere. It's, in the it's a
0: doorstop in his dining room. Exactly, <laughs> it Keeps the door open. It's great. Right.
1: Um,
0: and finally, um, have you attended any of these reunion events or
1: do you have any plans to continue? Uh, I'm open to it. I haven't in the past. I think I was a part of one that was in um, South Dakota, Keystone, South Dakota. I went to one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, again, I when they started kind of coming around, I was doing JAG and it just, the timing didn't work out. Right. Um, so I'm open to it, but I, I just haven't, I really haven't done it yet.
0: I haven't been to any of them. Um, I'm hoping to visit one called Laura Palooza in um, in Vermont. <laughs> and we're gonna try <laughs> to do a Points show live. the name. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we're gonna try to do a live Walnut Grove cast there. So that's I don't cool. know if that's gonna, I don't know how this will work in front of a live audience, but we'll see. Um, I'm sure it will work great, (laughs) because you'll be there. there (laughs) Um, Also, there's another there's a TV series that um, is current that has your name on it called For All Mankind. That's um, coming forward where you play Congressman Willie Barron. Yes. So this is I mean, you're constantly working. You're not letting COVID slow you down. Um, Are you working on any other um, projects right now for the future?
1: Um, there's another show that I just finished called The Offer, or at least it's called that right now. It's for Paramount Plus. It's another streaming mm-hmm. show, like For All Mankind. Um, and For All Mankind, if you're not, if you're not aware of it, or if the people out there aren't aware of it, again, it's a show I was a huge fan of before I was a part of it. It's an alternate history and alternate future history of the space program, mm. based on the idea: what if the Russians landed on the moon first? And so they go deep into that idea. It's really, really cool. People behind it are really talented. And it was a really great time to, like, you know, shoot and do all of that. And coincidentally, um, we had shot at Little House at Paramount. And then we moved to MGM, which then became Sony. So Sony Studios now is where we ended up shooting Little House on stage 15. And that's where they shoot for all mankind. So it was kind of fun to, like, go back to that same stage. Yeah,
0: we were like working um, in the same space. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, literally the same space and um, space for all mankind. (laughs) Um, And then this other show is called The Offer, and it's about the making of The Godfather. It stars Miles Teller and like a ton of different stars, Uh, and it's on Paramount Plus, and it's going to be coming out, I guess, in 2022, but they don't really tell me when. And it's called The Offer? Right now, it's called the Offer, Yen. Yeah, it's about how they made the Godfather. And that's something just... I'm
0: fascinated by
1: because of yeah. all of the logistics that went on, bef- you know,
0: between the Mario Puzo book and the actual film being made, and all of the red tape. and I'm assuming that's what this is about.
1: Yeah, it's based off of the book by Al Ruddy, who produced the film, and mm. he's a you know, Cracker Jack, and so again, one of those things where when I was reading in the trades about it, I was looking forward to watching it, mm. and then I ended up being in it, which was even you know <laughs> another cool part. So
0: it's like Little House. <laughs> it's like Little yeah. House two point Um, well, you know what? I'll, I'll just ask you real quick. Even though, from what I understand, it's it's kind of not happening, is the reboot of Little House. But is that something that you would ever consider if something like that were to come across your desk?
1: I always consider it. They did a reboot of Heather's, which they did. um, Who did that? I forget the name. I forget the network. It was Was it a series, right? Yeah, it was a series. Of course they did the, the, the big Broadway play, but they did a TV series based on Heather's. And again, I don't want to disparage anybody who worked on, on the TV series, but they asked if I would be a part of it. And I read the stuff that they were doing and because Heathers is such a specific flavor, and because it's a really, really difficult trick to pull off, I just didn't feel comfortable doing doing it, feeling like, you know, kind of like playing the lotto again, like if you're gonna land the exact same,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, exact spot. And so I didn't participate in that, but I considered it. Same as kind of with Little House. Yeah, I would love to be a part of something that they that, you know, is, you know, moving forward. To be honest, and I think that, you know, Andy Garvey was an added character. I I really don't think that there's going to be, you know, any connection there. It's not like I'm Melissa or anybody or or even, you know, my brother Albert or or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, However, having said that, I think that, God, I mean, whoever is going to try to redo Little House has got their, you know, has got a job ahead of them because it was done so well by Michael.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it was done so like he did it so well. I don't know honestly how you'd do it.
0: Yeah, better. I'm so negative personally about all reboots, um, and I
1: don't. You know, yeah, but this, then I'll throw you know, Battlestar Galactica at you.
0: Right, Battlestar Galactica, one of my top
1: three favorite TV series of all time, of course. Right, and so it's like it's possible, but because I loved the original one, but you know, it's it's really hard. And again, the thing with um, the thing with reboots is yeah i had a conversation with michael uh when we were doing the show i was a young kid and they had just mork and mindy had just come out and mork and mindy i think at one point was the number one show on television mm-hmm. and i was so excited by it and i was talking to him about it and he goes well you know enjoy it now kid it won't be around you'll you'll be around but it won't be around and i go what are you talking about he goes look and this is like in 1977 he goes look and in 20 years, you you and your kids will be watching Little House and no one will remember what Mork and Mindy is. And he was so sure of himself. And, you know, as Michael landed, it's not like I was arguing. Him. <laughs> right, right. How do, you, how do you know this? And he goes, look, we're, we're set in the 1870s. There's nothing here that can, you know, date this TV show. You know, it, it's going to be the same in 20 years as it is now. But with Mork and Mindy, everything is so present day and so mm-hmm. of the moment that... It's great. It's a funny show, but it's just not going to be the same in 20 years. And sure enough, he's right. I see his and point. Had, but funny funny thing was, I had the same conversation with Don Belisario, who created JAG. You know, I told him that story. And he goes, yeah, it's kind of same. same with JAG. Everyone's in uniform. These uniforms haven't changed in 40 years. Mm. And so it's interesting just to see. So, so when you talk about a reboot, yeah, obviously it's always possible because it is it's not like they're having to update anything that was you know so 1970s but gosh they did it so well and are you really going to find a little girl that is it magnetically you know magnetically right um what i'm looking for such a magnetic yeah. personality yeah. Mm-hmm. As, as as melissa no of course not or, or a relationship with her paul like she and michael had yeah i mean i'm
0: definitely on the side of that it's kind of um a, it's not a great idea but I, I can't say that it's an idea that's not worth other people's time sure um mork I mean, of could, course it's... being a great show you know nanu nanu you
1: know <laughs> right, <laughs> still with you me got robin williams <laughs> so you know who, who's gonna play robin williams no that no one you
0: you'll be the next one. no 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 <laughs> no,
1: no.
0: <laughs> um <laughs> But, um, Patrick, I want to thank you so much for taking the time um, out of your schedule to speak with me. I really appreciate it. And hey, my pleasure, man. Um, you know, I, I really didn't expect you to get back to me, to be honest with you. And I was just floored when you're like, sure, I'll come on. Um, and you're just like the nicest person in the world. And I, just like all of the people who I've spoken to from the cast, everybody is so down to earth. There's really no massive egos going on. And um, I no, appreciate and, 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 it. and
1: I'm sure that you've heard this. That we probably all got it from Michael. Sure. You know, um, that's why I have just heard one, yeah. one last quick story. Sure, you know, it's much in Hollywood. You, you have you know you have a dressing room because you have to you have to have a place to change. And in the 70s, you know, nowadays they have star wagons, and there are these huge, beautiful, wonderful dressing rooms that are the size of a one-bedroom apartment. And, you know, pretty mm-hmm. much if you're on a TV show, you're getting it. Um, and then they have for day players a they called the a Honey Wagon, which is about like eight rooms in one truck. And in the 70s, the movie stars and TV stars would get a Winnebago and they would have their own Winnebago. Well, in Little House, <laughs> get this, imagine this. Everyone got their own room in a, in the honey wagon which was it's just a very small room big enough to change your clothes and they and some of them would have a bathroom and that would be about it um michael shared one with merlin oh really big what he's a huge it's dude like, <laughs> he's a huge dude so it's like you know they're not in the, you literally are not in there at the same time you can't fit these two men in that's a sitcom the yeah it's literally the old rob reiner line you know we need to get it we need lubricant to get somebody else in here and um and so his idea was you come to work you work and you go home and you don't waste time in your trailer you don't waste time doing these things And, and and i think that that at that attitude was so pervasive on the set that you never thought about Getting a big head, because if the dude who is starring in the show and then he's driven to and from work, but not because he's a star, because he's writing by hand on a yellow pad the next episode. Mm. And he's also directing that episode. And he's also directing the episode that he was in today. And he's editing the episodes. So it's like you got a guy like that doing so much work and not, you know, and not having the attitude where where do you get off having an attitude? And I think that everyone took that with them after that experience.
0: Well, now having the Hollywood Courier that you have, does anybody else do it like the way Michael Landon did it?
1: No. Hmm. No, I, there, I've met a lot of great people, and I've met a lot of nice people. I've never met anyone that starred in a show, wrote it, directed it, ran the set, produced it. I mean, and, and a real producer, not just like a guy that has a credit uh, like Michael it, it was a, a unique situation wow I mean uh, Don Belisario, you know he he created Battlestar Galactica he created you know um <clears throat> Magnum Pi jag NCIS he's a great producer he's a great writer. He didn't star in the show right. he directed he wrote, but he didn't star in the show so it's it, it was a very very unique situation
0: Wow. Well um, again Patrick I can't thank you enough um, Patrick's uh, website I just want to mention uh, workingactingschool.com um
1: working actors school I'm
0: com. going to correct that workingactorsschool.com I'll put a link to it in the show notes um, you can find oh, cool. him on Twitter I'll put a link to everything in the show notes because it'd just be easier awesome. to just click it